2: Welcome to the Light Years Podcast. Andy, Lou, I'm watching Patrick, the football Steph Curry, Mahomes, win, you know, collect the AFC Championship. The NFL just always wins, man. Like, in the preseason, we're sitting here going, like, Mahomes versus Brady is probably what they want. And
1: what are we getting? Mahomes versus Brady. It is. It is just picture-perfect, storybook, fairy tale. Like, we got... Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, a fantastic football game and just in perfect NFL fashion with a little bit of controversy. But it doesn't matter who wins. doesn't matter who loses. You get Aaron Rodgers. Everyone's a win. winner. Yeah, Everyone wins. It was great. Uh, the Bills and the Chiefs, the Bills weren't ready. The Bills weren't ready. I, I, I probably would have enjoyed the, the Ravens a little bit more. Lamar Jackson would have been a little bit more fun. Honestly, Josh Allen looked like Lamar Jackson out there. Couldn't throw a football. But this is like, Sam, this is... The NFL does it right. And I think what I am most interested in, because we cover the NBA and we cover the Warriors, is how the NFL is going to talk about the matchup between Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. Because it tells, something tells me that if this was the NBA version, that there would be a lot more passive aggressiveness and resentment with which the NBA is covered. Versus I think in football, we are just going to have a lot of like slurping and a lot of joy. A lot of, a lot of no, fun. you're better, bro. No, man, you're better. Yeah, Like, <laughs> no, like that type of stuff is exactly what it is. So, man, that's just, the football is, football is exciting, man. They, they figure the shit out.
2: You know, um, I, I always think about this. There was this quote that Tom Brady gave about Aaron Rodgers three years ago. He goes, he's so much more talented than me. If he played for us, talking about the Patriots, he'd throw for 7,000 yards every year. I, I'm in awe of how talented he is. And, you know, he's a great player. Um, I, I just can't imagine NBA players saying that about each other. Like we yeah, had Shaq. Could you, could you ever say,
1: could you ever see LeBron saying
2: someone's more talented than me? No, we, we literally or had better Shaq. than him at anything. Yeah. And
1: LeBron's the easy one. We know what LeBron is. It, it, it's, we had Shaq go on inside the NBA, tell Donovan Mitchell that he's not as good as he thinks he is. What the hell is that? Like, what are we doing here? Right. And it's just, it, it, I didn't see Tony Romo come on the broadcast today say that, well, you know, if I had Tyreek Hill, if I had Andy Reid, I'd be just. I'd have at least. Give me. Three. Let me
2: play with these rules where guys can't hit me.
1: Yeah. And and like technically, Tony Romo would probably have kind of a point doing that. But like, what's what's the benefit, Sam? What is the benefit for the product of the game? For the love of the game, what is the benefit for any of that being said on a national broadcast? You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I mean, wow. We could do a whole pot on this. Um, it's much. It's a. It's a more fun topic than what we want to get to which is uh, wherever the hell the warriors are right now. So recording this Sunday okay. night after just a putrid putrid game against the Utah Jazz. Um you know what's funny to me? Ah uh, you and I got a lot of shit for pointing out that the starting lineup wasn't working. Next thing you know, 2 weeks later all we get is everyone writing the same article per usual light years is first like years is like I mean, years. I mean, yeah. Sorry, but it's just like it's very obvious that certain things aren't working, and you know, let's get into it. But like, it's, it's, it's getting tiresome to watch these games. The Utah one is obviously the worst one yet, down twenty-two to five after three minutes. Like, you know, Utah is probably going to beat them at home anyway. Like, in Utah is generally a loss for most teams, right? But, like, that wasn't even a game. That wasn't competitive at all. And it was just one of those – it was avoidable.
1: It was highly avoidable to get into a situation like that. I think what's more – what makes me more angry, Sam, and I, I, I was tweeting, you know, throughout just bits and pieces of that game, I turned off uh, the the second half because what the fuck is the point? It's not really the lineup. The lineup's, the lineup's tiresome. It's Steve Kerr. It is Steve Kerr and his inability to make any type of change – That would allow his players to benefit any type of change. And I think that stubbornness is, first of all, number one, what we called out weeks ago, what you've called out months ago, right? And what we've been talking about for years. And right now, it's come to a point, it's come to a head where Steve Kerr doesn't have the superstars around him to bail him out. To to play his little game of the long game versus right now, his little little basketball philosophies and all this little cutesy shit. That's what like it's really cool, Sam, when you can win championships. It's not cute right now, though. It's not cute when you're an eight and eight basketball team. You were eight and six, you lose two in a row. And I'm not saying that they should they should be ten and six, right? Or that they should be sixteen and zero but they should not have this point differential of like a three win basketball team, despite being eight and eight. They should not. And that's this- on Steve.
2: The starting lineup is a negative 20.3 net rating with an offensive rating, which is points over a hundred possessions worse than the process. 76ers. Do you remember the name? The process 76ers starting oh, lineup. Like oh there's a, there's some Tony Roten in there. Uh, maybe a little Michael Carter Williams. Hey, uh,
1: they can't shoot. It's perfect. These H- favorites.
2: Hollis Thompson, I think was on that team. R- uh, Rondé Hollis <laughs> Jefferson. Oh, you talking about? No, I was talking about keep Hollis. On, keep going. Hollis Thompson. Um, I Can't remember if no Jaleel Cafour was not on that team. Um, I mean, it's just it was it, it, I would consider that like the worst team I've ever seen just because Sam Hinkie was like trying to find G Leaguers at all times. Um, so it's worse than that. The defensive rating for the starters is one, is 114, which is just normal bad. It's not even like it, it's not, uh, it would only be the th- third worst defense in the nba so the defensive starting five who he thinks could be a top 10 defense is the worst among the worst in the nba and the point differential like i cannot stress this enough minus 20 is usually the worst starting lineups in the nba are like minus three not minus 20 it's it's bad and that's just the numbers now, let's, like, let's actually break this down into what's actually going on on the court. They can't shoot. They can't defend. They can't pass. They're running a scheme that requires them to pass, which I don't understand what that's all about. And they're just opening every game in a hole. Like, yeah, every now and then they get lucky against the Spurs where they start well. But, like, we saw it the following game against the Knicks. We saw it against Utah. Like, it's just not a cohesive unit. It's not a combination
1: that should work. There's a bit of rewiring that needs to be done from the top down. I think it starts with Steve Kerr. I think, it's, I think it, 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 it filters itself into Steph Curry, right? And I think, look, as a coach, if Steph isn't going to be the guy, he's the guy that's so used to playing with who he's played with and the style that he's played with and at what makes him so great, then you just put him in a better position to, to play the way that he wants to. And he can still play off ball if you have guys that can help him play off ball. Right. Like I'm not like you don't have to square. You don't have to square peg round hole this thing. You can literally just play Damian Lee like that's it's it's not going to fix you losing to the Utah Jazz. Like you just said, they're going to lose anyway, probably because you thought that Utah Jazz are really good right now, particularly but, at home. Yeah, but you're going to have better starts. You're going to have a better fit. Like it's not. We're not light years in a starting lineup here. Like, I don't think that's what we're doing. Like, Damian Lee is not this elixir that we're saying is nobody knows that if they do this, this is now the new death lineup. It's so simple. Like, it's so simple that any amateur coach, any amateur GM can say, you know what this lineup needs? Probably more shooting. You know who's a good shooter off the bench? Probably Damian Lee. You know who should be playing over Jordan Poole when the game was within two possessions? Michael Mulder. You know why? Because he could shoot. Whereas with Jordan Poole, I honestly don't know what he does well outside of just wear really short shorts. And, like, this is just becoming ridiculous.
2: Yeah, I mean, Damian Lee is seventh in minutes on this team. Michael Mulder is 14th. This team does not have enough shooting. Part of that's bad luck. Clay going down just throws everything off. Like, you can't really do anything about that. But the other part of it is – hear me out on this one. I think this is a mediocre roster. I think Steph's a top five player. I think Draymond's still an elite winner and can be a defensive player of the year when he wants to be. Uh, and then their depth is questionable. They have some positive pieces. It doesn't all fit. Like this roster is somewhere between the 10th and 20th best roster in the NBA. It's not garbage. It's not elite, right? Um, which means it's up to the coach to find combinations that work and you're going to have to make trade-offs. Yeah, Damian Lee can't really defend all that well. Oh, well. You're going to have to deal with that, right? You need the shooting out there. What I'm seeing is a stubbornness and kind of a, just kind of a um, lack of awareness of where the NBA is headed. Like it's not 1997. You can't get away with four non-shooters on the floor as we're seeing. Like they even Steph Curry is the greatest gravitational force the NBA has ever seen. And even he can't break up what is like four dudes who are unguarded behind the three-point line.
1: What can they really do? Right. I think is the question. And to me, it's not about the results of if they make changes, what happens. It's not the results to me right now. It's the process of, can they find the right person in charge to actually make the right decisions moving forward? And I'm not saying fire Steve Kerr, but there has to be a more accountability from, I don't know, Bob Myers, Joe Lacob, someone to say, what are we doing here? Like, this is is concerning. This is concerning because it seems like Steve Kerr doesn't care. He doesn't care. I don't think he actually cares that they're losing these games. He doesn't.
2: It it seems like he's more concerned with his ideology being right than winning. And that's worrisome to me it reminds me of like phil jackson disciples coaching teams that did not have top five players did not have like amazing rosters where you're trying to run the triangle with dudes who can't run the triangle and what happens you finish in last place right no that's where it's frustrating to me because i yeah i don't think this roster is gonna win a title at least not with clay thompson out right um but I don't see an effort to maximize it. I don't see yep. the stuff that, like Eric Spolster and Nick Nurse do where they will change their scheme dependent on the players that they have. like the the Toronto Raptors are actually a perfect example, although they're eight, nine now, you know, they
1: started off back, baby. They're back. Big win tonight against the Pacers.
2: He's already changed the offense. It's starting to feature OG a lot more. my guy. Bye who's might save my
1: fantasy season. He, hey, but, he's uh, saving mine right now. Yep. <laughs> um,
2: but like, um, yeah, it's like get Boucher in there more. He's made some changes. Matt Thomas out of the rotation. He, he's been, he he's done stuff that's proactively made the team better as opposed to just deciding, well, I don't like to have Jordan Poole sit on the bench too long. So I'm going to throw him in the that? game. Like it, it's
1: CYO or something, you know? Yeah. What is that? Look, I, I, that stuff is, I think awesome. When you're the 16, 17 Warriors. 17, 18 Warriors. I think it's great. You got to get those guys involved because you got a team with four superstars and some super role players. Right. And just, yeah, yeah, you you got to get seven to eight
2: deep with like proven playoff
1: guys. Yeah. Yeah. Get get McCall in there for a few games. Get Jordan Bell some run. You're going to need those guys at some point. Maybe you you don't don't really, but at least you want to keep those guys engaged. Right now, you can cut Jordan Poole tomorrow and I I wouldn't give a shit, right? (laughs) Keeping Jordan Poole engaged is literally the bottom it should be the bottom of the priority list, right? And, like, the the problem right now is if you are going to trust this coaching staff to build James Wiseman's future, that's also a problem. Like, Jordan Poole has no future. I don't care what happens to him. James Wiseman right now is the future. And you've harped on the three-point shooting. I don't care about that as much. To me, it's watching the way he's being used as a center. (sighs) Like, you're, he's not going to be super effective anyway. But it's the level of confidence. It's like in baseball where you bring up like a like a super prospect, and you and he go, like all super prospects usually struggle unless you're like Fernando Tatis Jr. Right? Like you're gonna struggle, and maybe he right. they see, they see
2: big league pitching and they're like, oh, this is a lot harder than it's level. two yeah.
1: for twenty. Like Joey Bart, yeah. two for twenty. Like he's not ready, and you either and you either like send the guy back to the minors to get his confidence up, or you put him like in the eight hole and you give him a little less pressure and you let him figure it out, right? And right now it's like, I don't know what it is with James Wiseman that they're trying to do. So um, I had uh, Aaron Larswell on the pod uh, when you weren't here on
2: Friday. And he said, I don't know why they're trying to run the cheesecake factory menu offense with him, like overconfuse him with way too many reads and too many things to do. And I like that analogy. Cause it's kind of true. Like the goal should be like dunk and defend dunk Hit a three yep. and defend. Yep. Even, but like the sh- to bring it back to the shooting, he should be spotting up, trail three in transition, popping. Set your feet, take it, pick and pop. Yep. If you're open, spot up in the corner, things like that. Instead, we get Steph setting a, a down screen for him and him moving, trying to pivot as he catches it and shoot like he's Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson. And I'm just sitting here going like, well, of course that doesn't work for him, you know? So to Great me, point. the develop, the development question is, are we trying to develop him to be effective or are we trying to develop him to fit a system that he may or may not fit? Like, what, what is the goal here? And this is where everything gets worrisome, where I feel like they're trying to recreate 2015 and... I just don't know that that'll ever be possible. Like, I don't know that you're going to find another Iguodala. He's such a unique player. Like player skill sets change. The system should change. Like players are, the league is not moving more towards what what the Warriors did. The league is moving more towards what the Rockets did, more shooting, more spacing. The two things that matter most in winning games is generating space or taking away space, right? Like on either end.
1: You know, if, if James Wiseman had walked in there and he had the feel of rookie year dream green, then I'd say, yeah, run this thing. Like, right, like right. do the, do, do, do the, do the pinch pull stuff, do the four high stuff, do the, do the like read and react offense and let him kind of pick and choose what he wants to do. Like, I, I don't think James Wiseman knows what, like, I don't even think he even knows what a back screen is at, at is at this point. And why are we wanting him to play back in what you what you're saying in in 2015 right if he had walked in he had that skill set by all means absolutely i think what happened with steve kerr is he had this system in place and he walked into a situation and he was smart enough to walk into a situation with the warriors and say i've got all these great high IQ players i can implement this thing and i have a championship team that's what happened fantastic but now you got to learn that's not how it's always going to be and you've got to change up how you know you got to change up ideologically, like what you want to do. Also, the other thing, Sam, that annoys me, uh, since we're kind of hammering this point about Steve, <laughs> I'm going to move on a little bit is, is the, the talking, the, the yapping, just not every game. The guy's got something new to say, every game, pregame, he's got something new to say, either. You know, like, we're not going to make an adjustment here. I think we have great potential. Or the next game, it's, you know, we're just trying to take it one step at a time. You know, once Clay comes back, we'll be a tender. All this, like, every game, it's some new bullshit. And, like, that to me is, like, the the Phil Jackson mold. I think he thinks he's some, like, basketball genius savant where he, like, thinks he can push all these buttons. And, like, he can do all these little cute things. And all of a sudden, like, Steph is going to come out here. Or no, no, no. He's going to like Kelly Uber is going to come higher and hit like six threes. Like, I'm just going to throw Nico Mannion in Sam, just so Draymond's (laughs) And and Nico Mannion is going to like suddenly like be this great guy all of a sudden, because he's a great pastor. It's like, dude, what are you doing?
2: (laughs) Yeah. And so, so, I mean, I want to bring this back because we've danced around the same thing. So for us, it's really just the process. That's really what it's coming down to. The record is what it is. I just, I don't feel like the process is moving in a correct direction. I don't see
0: Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
2: That makes sense. It feels like a lot of... It feels like preseason most of the time with them. And I'm wondering how long that'll go. It's, It's getting frustrating. Like, you saw the numbers. Steph with the starting lineup is disgusting. And then he spends his whole time making it up. Instead of... The starting lineup should be optimizing him because he's the best player on the team, right? So... All this points to I don't know what direction they're going with it and it doesn't feel like it's a positive one. Yeah. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes 3 pot with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to roman.com slash light years now. With Roman you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getRoman.com slash lightyears. And complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash LightYears and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash LightYears. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. All right. Um, let's see, where do we want to go from here? So they are playing the wolves tomorrow or Monday as this is coming out. And I think we need to talk about the wolves are terrible. The wolves are terrible. They're probably going to play. They're probably going to get a couple of wins here. Everyone will feel a little better about what they're doing. And it'll gloss over the fact that the process has been largely problematic. And, you know, but, but we do have this Wolves pick to talk about. So let's go to the Wolves pick a little bit. How about that?
1: Yeah, make it feel a little better about ourselves.
2: Yeah, so I, I want to bring this up. Right now, the Wolves have the second worst record in the NBA, and which might worry some Warrior fans thinking that means they will not get the pick. Right now, the lottery odds are 40% chance the Wolves land in the top three, 60% chance that the pick lands four, five, or six. In other words, more likely than not, the pick conveys to the Warriors because it's top three protected. I will say this, this is playing out pretty well for the Warriors yep. in terms of whether you want them to draft a guy or whether you want them to package it for an asset, them having the highest pick possible is great.
1: Yeah, I do not get any better than this. <laughs> Um, I think doing also pretty funny that they win the game without D'Angelo Russell. Um, and it, it looks like D'Lo is not gonna play tomorrow. I I don't know why questionable, so questionable. So maybe the Warriors have a less chance to win <laughs> since D'Lo is out. Um, they're a mess. And I think the best part of this deal is that if they, for some reason, the pick doesn't convey, they get an unprotected pick after that. And the Wolves have shown no ability to get better the season after. So it's like, it's just win-win all the way around. Like, I I don't think that this team is getting any better as long as D'Angelo Russell is on the team as a uh, high-usage player. Anthony Edwards centerpiece, yeah. Yep. Anthony Edwards is fine. He looks really athletic. He's kind of fun to watch, but he's not helping them win games anytime soon. Car Anthony Towns, please stay healthy. Uh, Hopefully, he'll be back as soon as possible, but I don't think even with him back, it changes too much. So... Overall, I think, I think all good things for the Warriors. I know you wrote down a few names. I don't know if you wanted to go over some of the names that, that are in college, that I, are playing I just, college today. I just
2: like to put names down. <laughs> um, yeah, we can go over some of the names in a minute, but I wanted to talk about this. So I've seen some Warrior fans saying, oh, it's going to be even better next year unprotected, and I staunchly disagree with that because you don't know what the Wolves are going to do next offseason. In my opinion, if the Wolves end up with a top three pick, their GM is going to be aggressive because he knows he's getting fired if they do that another year in a row. So I don't think you want, I think you need this pick to convey it for the warriors. I don't think pushing it down the road helps you too much. So I want to say that. Um,
1: all right. Let's move this forward a little deep, bit. Deep sigh. Deep, yeah, sigh. deep sigh. I, I, I am in, I am in on Jalen Suggs. before we get to questions. Um, I would really, 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 I know I haven't seen all the top 10 guys. I, we haven't seen Kaminga or Jalen green, but Jalen Suggs, Sam, I think is the easy selection. And I think he is a very possible selection. at Number four. I think it's Cade. I think it's as, I think it's like Mobley. Cade, Cause of size Cade
2: Mobley will go in the top three. I in think some order. And yep. then it's like, from what I'm seeing in the draft right now, the top five feels fair. Like there's a top five and then there's a second five. And you know, this is subject to change. Yeah. But like, I do think the top five will be Cade, Mobley, Suggs, Kuminga and Jalen Green, who we haven't seen yet. That can obviously change, but, um, and, and the order is to be decided. I feel pretty confident Cade's going number one, but, uh, but that, you know, so if the Warriors can get one of those five players at the four or five pick, they'd be very lucky. Um, I'm super excited to watch the G League bubble, just so um, I think everyone is, just so we can actually see game footage of Kuminga. Like, I've seen some clips. I've seen some clips of Jalen Green, but, like, it's not the same thing as watching a game. We can, we can look at the Kentucky guys. Like, I was super hyped on B.J. Boston. Then you start watching games, you're like, yeah, he might be good, but, like, it's going to be a while before he's anything. You know, he played uh, himself from the lottery to, like, maybe not being a first-rounder.
1: That's insane, and, uh, and and I guess the final piece before we get into the questions is: Do we even trust this coaching staff to put these guys in the right places anyway? Like, if they draft Mobley, if he falls to four or five, like, is this team even going to develop him the right way? Right? Is it, are they even going to let Jalen Suggs be the floor like the vision point guard general that he is? And I, I don't even know if that's going to be the case. So, but it is. I exciting. actually think I actually think
2: Suggs w- would be fine with the Warriors, like Tyree. Terry's Halliburton in Sacramento, where you're like, because he's got like he's very intelligent. Like you watch him play and you're like, this guy has I love him. I IQ love him. beyond his uh his age, so to say. Like he plays like a vet, I guess is the best way you could put it, right? Where you watch him, and just like, those are
1: reads that like nine, that like 30 year olds make, not 20 year olds. He right? he would he would play right now for the Warriors. I mean, like without a doubt, he would be the bench bench guy over i think he you you'd be doing exactly what like tyrese halberton's doing for the kings where you're like it
2: doesn't even matter what his numbers are anytime you watch him you're like I, that guy's just everywhere he's doing He's 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 just making positive yeah. plays at all yeah. times right so right. i don't know um yeah let's move forward so we have, we have some questions here um actually let's I want, before we get to questions let's do one more thing here okay how could we forget this one you know, I know how we can forget this one because the Utah game was so disgusting, we forgot about this one. Steph Curry passes Reggie Miller for second all-time on the three-point list. Um, it really does suck that the Utah game was that bad because, like, I, I it didn't even mean anything. Like, I, I didn't even think to, anything of it, right? Like, because you're just, like, so annoyed with what we were watching in the game that you forgot that Steph kind
1: of achieved a, a statistical To To me, it felt like... The Don Nelson winning the most games in the NBA coaching, right? Like, like they were celebrating that in a season where they were just terrible, um, and, and it felt a lot like that to me watching. Um, I I wasn't even watching the game when that happened. I just I knew what was going to happen in the second half. We all knew. Um, well, they're but... down thirty at half. So, yes. <laughs> like, can you can you blame people for not watching it on Saturday night? <laughs> but it, you know, it's it's I think one of the things where. I don't want to make. Actually, you know what? I don't want to make this pessimistic. I, I'll say this: there will never be someone like Steph Curry, uh, who can shoot this well on and off the ball with this volume, and and still have people doubt how good he is. I think that's that's the best way I can put it. This guy who's this like this many games to pass someone as great as Reggie Miller, and still be disrespected the way he is by a lot of his, by a lot of media, a lot of the other NBA players, by really just national coverage. I think, I think Steph Curry, I think that's one of the things about Steph Curry that will go, that will go down as like, wow, like this guy was that great. And we spent a lot of time saying, discussing how some of the things that he couldn't do in his career.
2: I was having a conversation um, with uh, Ethan Strauss, actually friend of the show. And we were he was discussing how he thinks Reggie Miller is historically underrated, which is kind of an opinion I have too. And it just occurred to me 90% of the reason Steph is underrated relative to his greatness is because I still don't think people understand how important shooting is. Like there is this idea that being a ball dominant player makes you better because traditionally that's how we view the game of basketball right Andy like when you when you're in high school the best player is the point guard right like that's just kind of how it goes when you are you know at all youth levels the best player has a ball in their hands right like you don't have the best player running off of screens um but if you are that good at shooting, you have more impact than anyone. Reggie Miller was the best player on the Indiana Pacers, who were the second best team in the 90s. Like they beat the New York Knicks, even though Patrick Ewing was supposedly better. You know, for being a better player, Reggie Miller sure outshined him in every playoff series. Um, they beat everyone in the East except for the Chicago Bulls. And if your biggest problem was you couldn't beat Michael Jordan, you know, it's going to be okay, right? Like he's one of the greatest clutch performers of all time. And I just don't think people mention him as one of the greats of that era in the way that they should. Um, and to me, that was always interesting because like the, the people will say like Clyde Drexler was better than him. No, I think, I really think Reggie Miller was the second best shooting guard of the 90s you know, Jordan, obviously the best, but Jordan's the best of all time. So what are you going to do with that? It, anyway, to bring it back to staff, it, it it just watching the way Reggie looks at him and spoke about him uh, felt very NFL ish. We talked about it where there's a lot of like reverence and like, I'm so happy it was you who passed me. And like, you're so good, and, like all that sort of stuff. But like more so it just reminded me, like, w- we can harp on how much shooting matters and we believe it. I believe it maybe more than you, I don't know. But like, there still is this general idea that shooting equals shooting and it's not like the most important skill. And that's the fundamental reason Steph is underrated. Like people, there's a segment of people who think Westbrook deserves to be mentioned in the same class as Steph.
1: Wow, I didn't see the Russell Westbrook uh, take incoming. I also think that Steve Kerr doesn't understand how good shooting is and how important that is despite him being a shooter and coaching Steph Curry. Like, I think Self, he understands. Self-hate. Like, I think, yeah, self-loathing. I think there's a bit of Steve Curry that thinks like, yeah, like, shooting's great, but you also need to be able to do all these other things and doesn't understand shooting is to end all, be all because you know what the goal of basketball is? Well, basketball is be able to shoot the fucking ball into the hoop. The goal and, is to have one more point than your opponent. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's something that he's, frankly, not understanding today. And that's, that's Steph Curry thing, and that's that's on Damian Lee thing, a Michael Motor thing, a James Wiseman shooting threes thing. Uh, he didn't want Draymond to shoot threes for whatever reason. Like, that's all this stuff that I think that like is one of the reasons why Steph Curry is one of the most underrated basketball players still today in his time, and I think that'll still keep going on even when he breaks Ray Allen's record. Yeah, definitely. It's one of those things where everyone
2: talks about how important shooting is. But then when it comes down to brass tacks, they rank these players who are worse shooters as being more yep. valuable. Like yep. in, in some ways it reminds me of like, uh, in like baseball, when everyone's like, Oh, he got to hit home runs. But then like they, you know, Oh, but he's not as good an all around hitter. I'm like, I don't know, dude, he hit 50 home runs. That's pretty important. Right. You know, yep. like that sort yep. of thing. Right. So it's, it kind of ties together in that fashion. Anyway, congrats to staff. Steph. Steph is 411 away from catching Ray Allen. He will probably do that in the middle of next year, give or take. I haven't looked at the total number of games. And he will catch Ray at the age of 33. And Ray played till he was 40. So Ray has 2,973 threes, basically like a few short of 3,000. Pretty confident Steph can get to 4,000.
1: A full thousand plus more than the next closest guy. Actually, one more thing is that. Steph revolutionized the game by shooting threes, especially off the dribble and especially as far away as he did. The other thing is, and people will say that a lot of these were like Reggie Miller and Ray didn't shoot as many threes as Steph. Steph didn't shoot as many threes as Steph in the beginning of his career. Can you imagine if Steph came in into the league now like not only would he still be the best shooter if he was shooting 10 threes a game today, he probably break it. He probably would have broke this damn record a year or two ago. Like that's it's really like. It's I actually think that's a,
2: that's a thing. Actually, that's where I disagree with you. Is like I do think someone will break all Steph's numbers in the future, um, and then there will be people will be like, look how many more he's making than Steph, and I'll be like, I don't think you understood until the age of twenty seven. Steph didn't really have the green light to take 12 a game like Trey Young does. You know, like Steph was taking – you want to know what's funny? The 2015 Warriors took 27 threes a game. That was like top five in the NBA. That was a first title, right? That would be dead last, and we're only six years later. It's dead last in 2021. So, like, the the, just the proliferation of shooting is like – I mean – Could you imagine Trey Young a decade ago? Like, could you imagine a player entering the NBA doing that? Like, it's not even something that, like, would be allowed by any coaches, right? All right. We're going to get to questions. I had to bring a little positivity in there. A little Steph Curry. Congrats. Um, Since we didn't get to this one on the last one, we're starting with our guy option zero, who we apologize to for misreading part of his question last time. Okay? Um. Can we discuss the power dynamic in the front office coaching staff? Early in Kerr's reign, the brain trunks seemed to have less centralized power, with West, Myers, Kerr, Schlenk all participating in healthy debate, even if Lacob did have the final say. Newsflash, owner always has the final say. <laughs> Since then, Kerr has seen Gentry and Walton leave his staff, West get lowballed, and Schlenk take a promotion at Atlanta empires die when they get fat
1: and lazy do we need to read that part just turn
2: on the news (laughs) news. i I should have read that before Uh, now we're seeing it on the court when sam ranted about the incredible self-stroking move smiling each was he crouched as being a small move in a big picture pools option extension the same arrogance and ego trip They tripped, blah, 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 immediately benched. Well, isn't Wiseman just some big version of Smiley Geach? No 19-year-old rookie helps a big team win. One with zero competitive experience seems even less likely. Then you have Steve Kerr as the coach that seems even slimmer. Yet, GSUB preached how they could bucket all these odds while also winning. They're failing at both. The team is planning to send Nico Manning to the G League ostensibly for more seasoning. Mannion played less than a season in college and was rated a top 10 player out of high school. Wiseman played less, yet they're closing. Why? Because the Warriors front office and Kerr need to show everyone how smart they are. That is a hell of an email. There are a lot of questions to respond to there. So let's start with the first one. The front office brain trust. So everyone loves to talk about the Jerry West, Travis Schlank, Bob Myers, Steve Kerr, that like, Really reigned the dynasty. We've seen West and Schlank leave, right? Now it appears the, the, the brain trust is a lot more of Bob Myers, Kirk Jacob, Steve Kerr having a lot more influence than he lets on in terms of personnel decisions, and Larry Riley running uh player personnel our director of player personnel and everything. Um, do you feel like the front there's a brain drain there? Do you feel like
1: that's an issue? I, I mean, the answer, the bailout answer is I don't know. We, we don't know. The answer that I actually, I think is important here is I think the issue is Steve Kerr having too much power in what he wants to do. And I think that was different from a while ago. And I think, Jer- look, everybody was wrong. Jerry West was even wrong. He wanted players that were not very good. Shout out to waiters. He wanted players that, you know, weren't NBA players. But there were people in the front office that told Steve Kerr, hey, you're an idiot. You can't do the things that you're doing today and expect to be a winner. We've seen Steve Kerr's run as the Phoenix Suns general manager, right? And I, we've seen some of the moves that he's made in the past. And I think that's the current issue today is that you got Steve Kerr. You've got Bob Myers. Bob Myers is best friends with Steve Kerr. They're always going to agree with each other. And then you've got the Lake of Suns. And I think a problem, the main issue is that Steve Kerr has a lot to say with what he wants to do with the players that he has today. And that's directly contradictory to what player personnel wants in players. And I think now you have that very weird situation, which is what OZ talking about, is that maybe Steve Kerr wanted Wiseman, maybe not. Maybe the Lacobs wanted Wiseman, maybe not. But they drafted Wiseman. But the core issue is they're not using him the right way. Maybe they should have drafted LaMelo, Sam. Maybe they should have drafted Tyrese Halliburton even. But... Shout out Isaac Kikoro. Yeah. And, and, like, it doesn't matter. Like, I think Halliburton right now would probably be the best fit for this team. Like, you put on He's the on best the rookie
2: in terms of playing a basketball game tonight. Yes.
1: Yeah, and, and especially on the Warriors. Like, I don't... Yes. You know, you put a Halliburton on, on you know, like, maybe the hard and, Like, the Nets, right? Like, like maybe it's less effective. But you put a Halliburton on the Warriors. I think it's, like, it's, it's elite. Like, it's that's beautiful. It's a beautiful move. But... They drafted Wiseman, and I think that I don't know if this is how Joe Lake let, – let's take Kirk. I don't know if this is how Kirk lake would want the Warriors to use James Wiseman, I think is the core issue right now with this team because these guys aren't going anywhere, but if what the front office envisions when they pick players is one way and Steve Kerr is using and coaching these players the other way, then what the hell are we doing here?
2: Yeah, I mean, so everyone loves to point to Jerry West. Uh, because he's a big name. The Warriors getting Jerry West is, I often like to say it was like their b- first big free agency acquisition. Like you never saw someone with the name and cachet of Jerry West take a job with the Warriors, right? Um, he, But there is one thing that Jerry West did exceptionally well that I'm not sure anyone in this front office can do. Jerry West is not afraid to disagree. Jerry West is not afraid to tell Joe Lacob he's wrong, he's not afraid to tell Steve Kerr he's wrong, and you—it's not easy to tell the boss they're wrong, and it's not easy to tell someone as passionate and opinionated as Steve Kerr they're wrong. It takes a very strong personality to do that, right? And that—that gets to kind of the point, which is: Are there dissenting voices in the front office? Who—who who is the person who is? willing to push back in a healthy way. uh, Because ultimately, the best decisions are made when you don't have blind spots, right? And to not have blind spots, you have to have people who are willing to take other people on. And when power is overly centralized, that doesn't always exist. I mean, I don't know why this is turning into a business podcast. But um, it's, it's, it's not easy. And I think that's the reality we're dealing with, with the with the Warriors, it's like they, they're desperately in need of
1: someone who's willing to challenge Steve Kerr. There should be no reason that Nico, Nico Mania is the name here, so I'm going to pick on him. And, and the question is like, hey, the team is planning to send Nico Mannion to the G League. He was rated to a top 10 talent. Wiseman had even play less games. Why the hell is Wiseman playing and starting? Nico Manion got into the game after Draymond Green was taken out because this is like, I wasn't surprised. I was unhappy, but I wasn't surprised because this is what Steve Kerr does. You can see the think, thought process is, well, I need someone who's a floor general like Draymond. So the closest person to that on my bench right now is Nico Mannion. He's trying to give his team a shot in the arm. Yeah. And, and, and also that, right? He wants to be able to, well, if Nico Mannion plays well, everybody's going to be happy. And then like, it's going to be a cool, cute little story with this guy. And that is a fundamental error in judgment right now. You can do that when you have Steph and KD out there. And well, Draymond's out. So we're just going to put this dude out here and he can do some fun stuff. And Steph and Katie are going to bail us out right now with where the league is going today and what the warriors have. That's a problem. You can't do that and expect to win basketball games right now with this team. And the, the, the question is, then why the hell is James Wiseman playing? Right. And to me, that's, that's, that's less so of an issue. Like I don't, see too much of a problem with James Wiseman starting these games. James Wiseman closing, I think, is probably a better better way to put it. Like, he shouldn't be closing some of these games if he's not playing well. Um, but I, I think that's also more, the issue is not so much with, why is he playing? It's, what is he doing when he's playing? Why the hell is he forced to do all these things when he has no idea how to do them? Um, and it's just, it's just it's too much Steve Kerr. It's too much Steve Kerr. That's all I've got. It's too much Steve Kerr.
2: Yeah. And I mean, we should have touched on this. Wiseman is a bigger part of the reason the starting lineup is bad than Ubre. But like, to me, it's just all of them. Like this, it, the cocktail doesn't work, right? Like it's not like one specific player is the problem as much as like, I think all of them together don't work. Um, To bring it back to this question. Uh, he brings up, is Wiseman just another big move version of Smiley? I don't agree with that. I do actually see the talent with Wiseman. I think the issue here is they're kind of rudderless. I don't know what direction they're going. Are they trying to build Wiseman for the future? Or are they trying to compete next year? Which is it, right? Like they're just, there's a lot of uh, mixed
1: signals with them
2: where I'm not sure if they're trying to win now or win in the future. Are they, is this Steph's team or is this Wiseman's team? You know, that, that type of stuff.
1: I think there was. I think with Wiseman and the Smiley Gish I think that's, that's a little out of bounds. Um, I think there were Smiley Gish I don't think anybody had any respect for or think that he's going to be good from top on down. I think with Wiseman, there are a lot of people that want to change Wiseman. Uh, and that goes for the, the talents. The like, talent's
2: like, obvious, too. Well, like, just because I, he's uh, I, he's nowhere near there. Like, it's very clear he he has a lot of potential.
1: I I, I think Steph wanted him. I think Draymond wanted him. I think Steve wanted him. I think, like, the Lakers. I I think there were a lot of people aligned on wanting James Wiseman. So, look, if that's not the right move, if it should have been LaMelo, if it should have been Halliburton, if it should have been a Coral, like, so be it. But I think most people in the front office were aligned, and the players were aligned on wanting James Wiseman.
2: Did, did, uh, Did Ralph Walker want him?
1: <laughs> uh, and, and I think this speaks to Steph a little bit. To look, I think Steph wanted Wiseman. I think he's right in wanting Wiseman. But then it's if you want him, then why aren't you using him the right way? Because you want him because you want a guy that can finish at the rim. You want a guy that can protect the rim, right? Then why the hell is he a guy that's playing? Uh, that's running motion sets. That's the core of that offense. When the possession's getting started, that should not be the case. Um, so that that's, I think the core issue. Um, I don't, I don't think the problem is drafting them. I think it's the problem is well, how the hell are they actually using them? A lot of
2: guys wanted Wiseman and I don't think they're wrong. So, so I think if we want to, I mean, so to, to get back to. Ozzy's big picture question. Uh, well-written email. Got some, got some nice slander in there at times. I think the Warriors just desperately need someone to inject some new ideas. Doesn't need to be a new coach. Doesn't need to be a new GM. They just need to bring someone else into the mix who's willing to say something different. Because right now it feels, I don't want to say stale, but that's the only word that comes to mind. I need someone in there who's willing to say, Steve... Let's like, let's stop trying to do multivariable calculus. Let's just concentrate on getting these guys to figure out cross, cross multiplication, cross division. You know, and I've, let's let's, um, you know, like let's stop shooting for smiling each in the second round. Let's get some competent players in here right now, like just someone who's willing to voice a different
1: opinion. And I think that's like one of the issues with like, like let's like, take for example, Mike Dunleavy, he wasn't drafted for that, Sam. He, he was, or sorry, he wasn't hired for that. He was hired because he's best friends with Bob Myers and Bob Myers just wanted a butt buddy in the front office. Like there's no, like there's no rhyme or reason to why he was hired. I actually, I, actually, just to push back on that a little bit, he was brought in <laughs> because Bob wanted someone who's going to be loyal to him. Right. Well, that, well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. He wanted to yeah, yeah, well, I guess yeah, that's yeah. on the same Like, but like, but, <laughs> but what, what do you know? Like what has Dunleavy done? Anything that, that you would say to your point is really pushing back on what the Warriors have done so far this season. I would say no, no. but I mean, that
2: actually, n- Great point. Um, Because Dunleavy's in year two of being a front office guy, he might be great, but like, that's just different than Jerry West, who's done it for thirty years. That's different than, like, yeah, you're right. He's someone who's in year two of being a front office guy is probably not going to take on the power structure, right? You know, like, you you take someone who's a little more seasoned and uh, let's just say has a little name cachet to 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 do that right like part of the reason jerry west
1: is willing to do it is jerry west is like i dare you to fire me right you know it would have been nice if daryl Morey was hired i was i was really all in on daryl Morey, but i mean it, what what there's no fit there i um, mean for, you for you this mean loyal
2: problem. light years podcast listener daryl
1: Morey? yeah <laughs> all right let's move moving along we got a lot of questions let's rip through
2: these things uh yeah um This is tied in from Danny. Does Kerr want to win games this season? If not, what are the priorities this year? That is our big question. That's what we've danced around forever. Like they want to win. They want to develop for the future. They say now matters, but Nico Manning gets some run and we got to make sure Jordan Poole doesn't get stiff sitting on the bench too long. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to say, but like at a certain point, someone has to call it out and be like, let's have a coherent vision, man.
1: If they want to win, I'm sure they do but he only wants to win his way. That's the top priority. He only wants to win the way that he, he only wants to win. It's love of the fame, Sam. It's love of the fame coaching. He just wants to win the way that he knows how the way that like, like our guy Colin Returnal is going to write a great article on Steve Kerr. uh, If he wins the way he does, because it's cool. ESPN is going to have a great feature on Steve Kerr saying, uh, saying his, his style, his scheme. Was the one that built this team back to the dynasty. That that's how Steve Kerr wants to win. He doesn't want to win by playing the way that he should, by by moving towards where the league is moving today. So all right.
2: From fake logic, seems like a lot of the aforementioned debates are rooted in aligning conflicting timelines. Well, wow. it's related to the question we just answered. Wiseman's development, Kerr's system rotation, marinating time, Steph Dre Clay's window, fandom for individual players aside. How do you guys think a high-level franchise should prioritize those? And how long do you think is a reasonable time frame? Okay, that's actually a really good question.
1: Fake Logic. Also, shouts to Fake Logic. He's all up in the Discord chat every day. He is.
2: Um, I think top priority should be trying to win while you have a top five player on the roster. Steph Curry is the best player of the Warriors have ever drafted. You know, and he probably like- will ever draft. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe not. And he's uh, definitely he's definitely the most iconic. I mean, he's he, he's iconic for them. I don't. I think it's more important to them that he retires for the Warriors than anyone else because it'll really establish a brand identity. Like this is Steph Curry's fucking franchise, right? Like they, they want to be the Lakers. They got to have Kobe. They got to have Magic Johnson. They have they have these guys who are from birth to death with them that like <laughs> exemplify. The roster. Okay. Wow. I didn't wow.
1: That was really good. No, I really like that. Wow. <laughs>
2: and so it's a little, um, I mean, I think it's important. Also, Steph is one of the best players in the NBA. When you have one of the best players in the NBA, you have to go for it. You know, like if you're not willing to go for it when you have Steph Curry, what are you waiting for? You're you're gonna trade him for assets to hope you draft another Steph Curry, right? You know what I'm saying? Like you're you're firmly still
1: in your window. So the priority has to be winning with him. Do they what type of high level franchise do they want to be? Do they want to be the Miami Heat? Do they want to be the L.A. Lakers, or do they want to be kind of like that elite mid major like Toronto, right? Like what type of like what type of franchise do they want to be? I think that they want to be the Lakers, and then and then they also want to be the Spurs. Like I I, I I should have thrown the Spurs in there. I apologize, but they want to be both of those guys, and I don't. And like this season tells me that you can't, right? It's, it's being the Lakers that you want to spend a shit ton of money and you bring in Kelly Oubre and you have this, you have this like splashy team. You still got Steph. You still got Draymond next season. You're still going to get clay, but then you still want to be the Spurs. You still want to be able to develop guys and you still want to be able to get James Wiseman in there. You know, ironically enough, Sam, it's the Lakers that have been excellent at drafting and identifying players in the draft and getting role players in today, like Alex Caruso, right? And Brandon Ingram drafting him. Lonzo Ball, who's a fine player. Um, there, there are other guys that are not, like Helen Horton Tucker, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe. But like how Kuzma is a second-round pick, and he's playing closing minutes. For Number 27. Team. Um. Okay, late first. Day, still. Still? <laughs> the ace. Could Jordan Poole. Yeah, that's the same. Right? Jordan Poole, or as any of the Warriors' first round picks, late first round picks, right? So, ironically enough, the Lakers are the Lakers. They get LeBron because they're in LA, but they also hit on all of these role guys that are that make this like make them the juggernaut that they are today, where they should win a back to back title. And I think the Warriors, as a high level franchise to me should focus more on being able to identify and and draft these type of players. And they have not, that is the number one thing for me, like that these high level franchises can do is they identify players that are good. And then they develop them. I feel like they've identified James Wiseman who could be a high level player, but they are definitely failing failing and developing those guys Um, to your point about winning today. Let me ask you this. If you could change Trey James Wiseman for Miles Turner right now, would you? Because I think the Pacers would have done that move in the offseason if the Warriors had put that on the table.
2: You know, life would have been a lot easier if they did it in the offseason and we never saw Wiseman <laughs> in the Warriors jersey, right? So, that's the thing. Um I don't know. I don't think I would do it because I just think you got to wait for a little more. Um but that's me. So, you know it's, it's tough i want to move sam, on to sam
1: source sam source to say before we move on that that that, that Wiseman in the pick could go for, or Wiseman himself can go for a lot more like bradley beal is on this team next season type of thing so oh that's not exactly at all what i'm saying go, go ahead <laughs> sir go ahead
2: all right uh, do you guys think if the nba from uh rishi desai do you guys think if the nba had an nfl like roster mobility being able to cut players easy there would be more parity in the league Right now, it seems like a few bad moves can screw a franchise for three to five years. Um, I don't know that, because the NBA is so star-driven that I don't know that having more flexibility with like man seven through 15 on the roster is going to move the needle too much. I think what would change is if it was harder for stars to move teams, if it was harder for James Harden to just decide, hey, I'm done, I'm going to Brooklyn. You know, I think that's what would change it's the trajectory.
1: Ridiculous. I think a fundamental issue across the sports here, though, is that Steph Curry can change a franchise. I, I uh, you, Like, it takes a lot in the NFL to change a franchise. Like, even Aaron Rodgers, right? If Tom Brady was on the Atlanta Falcons this season, like, I don't, I don't know, like, if he's changing that franchise. But if you put LeBron James on the – Atlanta Hawks (laughs) like that team and maybe a shittier team. The Atlanta Hawks, at least are a playoff team on the Charlotte Hornets, right? Like that team's in the postseason. Right. right? So, And I think, you know, you know, LeBron and Aaron Rodgers, they're at the top of their game with with both sports. I think it's just that's just like the fundamental difference that the NBA can't really do anything about. I agree with you on the superstar mobility stuff, though. I think that's more of a who cares about the NBA type of stuff. It's just that it's hard to care about a lot of these NBA teams outside of your own it's it's just hard man and i think like we sat here sam today and we watched the bills we watched the chiefs those aren't our teams but we watched them and i think we would watch chiefs sunday night football games in the regular season because of patrick mahomes i I don't know what the nba could do there like i don't think there's anybody there that you would sit down and watch like nobody's watching sitting down and watching Giannis. nobody's sitting down and watching luca even like you know what i mean like so it's just we've had a lot of podcast about ratings and, and how the nba should, should sell their players but uh but i think just the issue is just that it's it's a smaller it's it's just it's only five it's only five guys on a court at one time fine
2: final question you were correct by the way from fresh donuts if you had to bet who gets oh. fired
1: first nash or kerr i mean is it even close yeah this isn't even a question is it even close yeah steve nash can be out of there in about two seconds steve nash got the job because of kevin durant um, KD likes him. And I think part of KD is probably like, well, I can, I like him because I can walk all over him, like type of thing, right? I, I love Steve. I, it's Nash, that is, not Steve Kerr. Steve Nash, one of my favorite players of all time. But uh, I think he's kind of like a guy where a player drafts because he knows that he can do whatever the hell he wants. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, also, one of them has won three rings, even if we're very frustrated with him, And the other is a first-time coach. First-time coaches don't last long. Like, it's, it's, it's just an easy bet, you know? So... All right, we're gonna leave it there. We'll be back uh, midweek. We're gonna have Bonte Hill on. Um, we'll probably be talking after a Wolves win. Maybe the sky won't be falling. You know. Stafford's to the Niners, you know that type of thing. Aaron Rodgers to the
1: Niners. Yeah, that type of stuff. You know, that, that's,
2: that. that's 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 the kind of me. Ooh, Rodgers
1: with with uh, Debo Ayuk Kittle. that be but Rod, but Rodgers with Shanahan. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> speaking of another Steve Kerr, every guy. And then we're out of here. <laughs>
2: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast.